Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, y'all. Looking for a unique gift idea? Check out my book, The Humor in Birth, Stories and Insights from a Doula, for any mom in your life. She's going to receive great tips, great wisdom, tons of positive birth stories, and I promise you she'll be glad you got it for her. You can check it out on Amazon or any of my social media links. Hey y'all, welcome to My Doula Micah. I'm really, really glad that you're all here joining me today on this podcast episode. Um, it is May, like in, as in the month of May, and this particular month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think um, in our society and our culture, we're becoming more and more um, aware and sensitive to, hey, this is this is something that we're not talking about enough. This is something that, um, we need to bring more awareness and attention to. And honestly, what I would say is I think more and more people are accepting and embracing that many of us, most of us deal with some kind of, um, mental health issues. And today I really want to highlight that. I really want to say it's, it's not as abnormal as you think. And, um, I will go ahead and spill the beans. I'm going to be really, really vulnerable and honest on this particular episode because you guys, it's just time. I like, uh, conversations that are genuine. I want to be around people that are real and that's what I'm going to be with you guys today. Uh, when I was 40 years old, so 12 years ago, cause I'm 52. Um, my husband and I decided it was time for me to go in and have a conversation with, um, I had already been seeing a counselor, but it was time to go see a psychiatrist and talk about some of the things I was dealing with. And at the end of that discussion, at the end of that appointment, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I was, filled with emotions and thoughts. I was uh, a little confused and a little, well, no, I wasn't in doubt if I was going to be honest, but in many respects, I know this is going to surprise a lot of you. It was a relief because the diagnosis answered so many things for me that I had been dealing with for 40 years, undiagnosed, unmedicated. Um, and that was hard, really hard. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys what my psychiatrist told me and a lot of what my husband and I have learned over the years is that, um, bipolar disorder, while it comes out extremely emotional. Okay. Um, it, it looks like this person, if you've been diagnosed with this is emotionally unstable and is crazy. Seriously. We look like crazy people. I'm going to tell you why. It's like you have your, so, so bipolar is the extremes. You have the extreme low depression, deep, dark depression. And then you have this extreme high, which they call kind of the manic 
mania stage. Um, and, and the best way to describe that, um, and I'm not going to get super technical, you guys, because I, I don't know how beneficial that is for people. I'm going to just talk in layman's terms and talk to you from someone who actually suffers from it and deals with it. The high is that, that mania, that mannequin, it shows up in many different ways. It's I'm king of the world. I, there's not anything I can't do. Um, my thoughts are lofty and, um, everything is amazing and exciting. It can also come out as extremely irritable. And uh, again, it's like your, your senses are just heightened. Everything feels strong. Everything feels pokey and sharp. Everything is, I I don't know. It, it, it can come out that, that way. Um, and here's the thing. Um, you have, if you think about a car and you have one foot on the gas and the other foot on the brake, if you drive, you know that you can only push one pedal at a time. Okay. You will ruin your car if you push them both at the same time. That is what is happening with someone who has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder is they have, my psychiatrist said spastic feet (laughs) and it's like, floored on the gas and then break and then floor and break. And sometimes they go at the same time and we don't function well. And it is a, a brain chemical connection that is missing. It is not happening. It is misfiring and it tends to, um, directly affect our decision-making ability. Okay, that's a problem because we make decisions all the time. I don't think we realize how many decisions we're making all the time. And so if that is altered and you're not being able to make good decisions and your experience is this constant high and low, you feel like you're losing your mind. You feel um, out of control. Or you are 100% convinced that what you are thinking and feeling is reality. It is the Bible. It is the truth. It, it is 100% fact. And and it is um, a stretch to listen to someone else who is talking to you, particularly about you and your life and your choices or how you act, because it does not line up. It doesn't match. It, it sounds like this person that's talking to you is crazy, honestly, because you're, you're not, um, you just don't see the misfire. You're, you don't experience it. Everything feels, everything you feel and think is within reason and is 100% in reality. And now a word from our sponsors. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch the shaker bottle for good and get myself a blend jet Two portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. Blend jet Two is portable. So you can even blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 colors and patterns to choose from, I chose lavender. What are you waiting for? 
Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use your promo code doula12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code doula12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Did you know that dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue? I was shocked to learn that even mild hydration can cause headaches, muscle weakness, and brain fog. But luckily, there's a solution. Cure. Today, Cure is on a mission to help people stay hydrated and feel their best without compromising on quality, taste, or sustainability. Cure believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. They're committed to transparency and honesty. All of their ingredients are clearly listed on the website and packaging, and they're always happy to answer any questions or concerns. Ready to combat dehydration? Try Cure today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code DULA for 20% off your order. Did you know that you could be putting oil and chemicals in your coffee? I love coffee creamer. But I don't think I ever turned the bottle around to actually see what's inside. When I did, I found out many of my favorite creamers contain ingredients I would never intentionally add to my coffee cup, like canola oil, dipotassium phosphate, and artificial flavors. Laird Superfood all started when big wave surfer Laird Hamilton needed morning fuel that could allow him to spend the entire day chasing the ultimate wave. He couldn't find anything in the market that met his ingredient standards, so made himself the ultimate plant-based creamer. Laird Superfood started and launched its first product, Original Superfood Creamer, in 2015. Laird started experimenting with his morning ritual almost two decades ago. He found that when he started adding fats to his morning cup like coconut oil, he had amazing energy throughout the rest of his day. He gradually perfected his recipe for an epic cup of fuel and began sharing it with his friends in the surf community. They've got functional superfood creamers, instant lattes, and prebiotic greens. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use your promo code doula at checkout to save 15% of your purchase today. Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wongo puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. They are 100% wooden puzzles that last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. What are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code doula to get 10% off your order. 
This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code doula to get your 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. So what led us, um, my husband and I to the decision to go see a psychiatrist, um, we're going to have to backtrack quite a bit. And, um, now that I know what my diagnosis is, I can look back on my life and I can tell you, uh, some of the things that came up that point to this diagnosis. Um, probably one of my first, um, experiences and encounters. Uh, so my parents, um, are divorced. They split up. Uh, I was in sixth grade and that's kind of a crucial age and it was tough. It was, it was hard. And so many times for people, um, and, and I am, okay, sorry. I went really fast. Didn't I? Um, mental health awareness covers many different, uh, mental illnesses, not just bipolar disorder. Um, obviously there is depression, there's anxiety. There's, there's a whole host of them. Y'all, I don't even know all of them, but as you all know, if you've been listening to me very long, I really only want to talk about the things that I can actually speak to. Um, it is not going to help or benefit anyone for me to talk about something that is not an experience that I have. If it is not an experience I have, that's why I bring in other people. I interview people so they can talk about it because you're going to want to hear from someone who really knows what they're talking about, right? So sorry, I should have said that right from the beginning. I'm, I'm really talking about bipolar disorder even though there are many other mental illnesses. But what I'm hoping is, is that if you deal with a mental illness, if you suspect you deal with a mental illness, if there's someone in your life that deals with a mental illness, I'm hoping that this will bring some maybe clarity. I would really like for people to gain some hope and maybe hearing someone else's journey um, can benefit you. And there's nothing I want more than for someone else to have some, some freedom and something to, uh, get past an issue in their life. So they don't have to struggle with it for years and years and years because somebody was willing to talk about it and they got to deal with it sooner rather than later. And it didn't bring as much damage and pain because it was addressed earlier. So that's kind of my, um, <clears throat> Sorry, I might get choked up a little bit during this one. That's kind of my motivation to share my own personal journey. I don't have a need to share it with the world. The people that are close to me in my life, they know. They know my journey. They know my story. I talk with them. I go see my psychiatrist. In fact, I saw my psychiatrist today. I see him regularly. Um, I feel in a good place. I feel healthy. But that was not always the case. And so backing it up a little bit, um, I can remember, you know, so with bipolar disorder, for sure, when you encounter very stressful things in your life, um, especially emotionally uh, challenging things in your life that honestly don't have anything to do with you. Like when your parents get a divorce, I mean, yes, no, I said that wrong. It does have something to do with me, but I didn't choose it. It's something that happened to me. It's out of my control, but it is, it is tough. It's, and it's very emotional. It's a big thing that you walk through. Those are the triggers. That's when the first signs of the misfiring can happen. But unfortunately, um, because something significant just happened in your life, if you're experiencing depression or irritability, or you made some bad choices, what do we do? We point back to that 
event that happened in your life and we blame the event, right? Um, it was because your parents got divorced. That's why she's not doing well. That's, you know, which is understandable. It's situational. And that happened to me over and over and over and over again in my life until I was 40 years old. The, the, the things that would happen that were big and monumental, the things that were shaking me, um, I was not getting a correct diagnosis. Here's another thing you need to know about uh, people with bipolar disorder. Um, we live for the highs, the mania, okay? The, the norm for me um, as a person with bipolar disorder is that I either, everything is either amazing, incredible, wow, or it is horrible, offensive, awful, and I'm dying. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you guys. There's not an in-between. Everything is going to fall into one of those categories. Okay. So obviously I want the highs, right? I want the good. I want the positive. I want the, I'm bigger than life. My ideas are amazing. I'm uh, progress oriented. I'm achieving all these things. People love me. I have this great personality, you know, on and on and on. Obviously, that is what I want to feel. That is what I want to live for. That is what I'm shooting for. Because what is the opposite of that? Because there is no middle ground, then that means I'm curled up in a ball on the bathroom floor crying. Every My, my life is ending. Nothing is going well. Everything is wrong. Everybody hates me. Okay, well, I don't want to live there. And even though oftentimes people who deal with clinical depression and if, it, if it's severe enough... They can't see out. And so it can appear like they just want to stay there. The, the work that it takes to get out of the depression is more daunting than trying to get out of the depression or, or choosing things to help you get out of the depression. It is, it, is, it is a dark room and there is no light. Someone who deals with bipolar depression, um, if you're experiencing that, yes, you feel low. Yes, it's extreme, but you are very aware of the light that is trying to come through because you might've just experienced it yesterday, right? That is not far. And so bipolar people do not talk about the depressing, depressing part. Most people aren't even aware of that. Um, I would imagine that most people that knew me in high school, uh, just because of my personality and the things that I did in my life, uh, the friends that I had, probably didn't know that I dealt with, um, deep depression. They, they probably didn't know that because I wasn't talking about it because I wasn't showing that. Um, and then as I got older and in my young adult life and, um, stepping out and choices that are bigger than me, they're not just these, you know, little choices, it's big choices that affect my life. Um, those choices were damaging. Um, a lot of people who deal with bipolar disorder are addicts in some way or another. Um, they, they keep going back to something that feels like, uh, comfort and control something that it's habitual. Like they, they want that in their lives. And so oftentimes that, that will tend to manifest itself. And so, you know, yeah, I struggled with that too. And so here I am 21. I, I meet the man of my dreams and he is, 
whatever the opposite of bipolar is, he's the opposite of that. He is the most stable person you're ever going to meet in your entire life. Oh my goodness. He was a rock. He was all about, uh, he was caring. He was kind of the behind the scenes guy. He, he, he's not flashy. He's not trying to be out in front of anybody. He's not trying to impress anybody. He's, he's got a steady job and the way he talks to people, he, he's the same around everyone. And it doesn't, nothing seems to ruffle him. Um, emotions are not high and drastic, right? He's just very stable. We're, we compliment each other well, but he was an enigma to me. I'm like scratching my head. Like, wait, what, how, how is, how is this possible? How can you just be so, you know, calm all the time? And did you hear what I just said? I mean, how come your life isn't falling apart because of what I just said? Why aren't you, you know, gnashing of teeth and stripping your clothes? Why, 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 you know, but at the time we didn't put all that together. I mean, again, we just thought it was my intense personality, <laughs> Um, which lasted for a long time. So as you get older, um, bipolar disorder gets worse, especially if you're not medicated. I think one of the reasons why I went so long, um, before getting diagnosed, before going to see a psychiatrist is because I had two other things in my life that I believe are pieces to the puzzle um, and really being able to deal with this kind of diagnosis, uh, any diagnosis, I'm going to say for someone dealing with mental illness, I think both of these things would be helpful. Um, number one for me, I have a relationship with God and I'm going to tell you for myself, that was huge. That was key. I prayed a lot. I would run to him when things were not going well. I found a lot of comfort in my walk with the Lord and, uh, people in my life, community. That was huge for me as well. Um, I did not feel alone in my life in my um, issues because I was talking to other people. Other people were aware. And so you're, you're, the condition that you have is exacerbated by the fact that you are not talking to someone else. You don't have people in your life, more than likely. You're isolated about your issues. You're not getting help or people that are with you. And then for me, there's if you don't have anything spiritual in your life, like God, that is a source for you that you can run to because you know you can't do it on your own. Man, y'all, that is tough. That is, I, I, don't, I don't know how you make it. I, I don't know how you do it. I wouldn't have made it. I can tell you that 100% right now. I wouldn't have made it. Um, so as I'm going through my, uh, young adult life now I'm married and then I'm having children. Um, my pregnancies, I told y'all before I'm the worst pregnant person ever. And some of the reason why I was is because at the time I was not diagnosed, um, with bipolar disorder. And so the, the shift in my hormones did not, um, I did not feel like myself. I had a lot, I had low energy. I had a um, low adrenal system when I was pregnant and that was affecting me obviously physically, but more than that, it was affecting me personally, uh, mentally and emotionally. And so I was not well, I was not myself. I almost had, um, like I can remember my midwife saying, it's so odd to me, Micah, because it's almost like you have postpartum depression while you're pregnant. And so being pregnant was dark for me a lot. You know, a lot of people talk about postpartum, how darkest year of their life, they're just, um, just under the water all the time. And they can't, like, I, I had a hard time getting out of bed. I, I had a toddler I was pregnant with my second and 
oh my goodness, it was bad. It was hard to get out of bed. And there were times I'd call my husband and I'm like, you have to come home now. You have to come home right now. Like, I can't do this. I don't even know. Like I look back and I'm like, I don't even know what the issue was. There was not, I can't think of anything that was earth shattering that he needed to come home. But I, again, I think because of the hormones and because of the low adrenal system, I, I wasn't being able to thrive on the things that made me feel like I was larger than life, the highs. Right. And so pregnancy was tough for me. Um, and as soon as that baby was born, it was crazy. As soon as I gave birth, I was back to myself. That'll just tell y'all how strong hormones are. They're really strong. <laughs> They're a big deal. Um, so now I've gone through, you know what, six pregnancies and, and two of our kiddos um, really dealt with some significant health things when they were babies. Um, one of them, we thought we were, we thought he, he was, he actually, he was dying and we weren't sure if he was going to make it. Um, man, you talk about hard and we're, in the hospital, we already have three kids. He's going through surgeries. He's constantly crying because he's hurting. He's struggling. And it was, man, uh, it was hard. And I was in survival mode. And again, because of my bipolar disorder diagnosis, um, I know this sounds crazy guys, but because of the trauma that we were going through with this baby, because we're in survival mode, because it was so hard, I was actually thriving right? Isn't that crazy? Um, I, I could just tackle it. I just, I mean, I got this. I, I, it, I did. I just felt like I can give anyone counsel right now. I am the world's greatest mom. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. Boy, did it feel real to me, um, in that moment. And then the same thing with our, our sixth, you all know that, um, Levi was our micro preemie 2.2 pounds. We already have five children. Um, he was in the hospital for a couple of months in the NICU. I uh, went home, I had an emergency C-section. And so I had been checked into the hospital for a couple of weeks before he was born. And then, so my other children are being cared for by other people uh, for two weeks. And then I came home after he was born. Cause I obviously I can't take him home. He's in the NICU and I was home for a few weeks recovering. Then I moved into the Ronald McDonald house in Temple, which is about 30 miles from where we live to be Levi's sole care provider. So I just totally focused on him and I was by myself. Like I said, I have five other children. I just went through something very traumatic and I am, um, living day to day. It is, it's hard, really, really hard. And that, that one right there threw me off. Um, particularly once I got home with Levi, I mean, we got to come home early. I took a four and a half pound home baby, a four and a half pound baby home. I said the whole sentence wrong. It was right before Christmas, thankfully. And I was so glad to be home. I was so excited, but that is when I crashed was when I got home. And I was, man, when you hear people talk about a basket case, I was, I can remember, you know, I've got all these kids and three of them, I'm supposed to be homeschooling. Two of them are going to school, our older two. Now I have this newborn and you know, everything is challenging with him because he's so little. And, um, I can remember loading them up in the car. This was frequent. This wasn't one time I can remember loading them all up in the car and I was like, Hey, I'll be right back. I got to go get something. And I'd go into the house and I would just start screaming and just crying and no idea what to do, you know, or the kids would, you know, spill milk in the kitchen. And I am livid. Like, 
livid. It was so personal. And why did you do that to me? It was just awful. It was just awful. And um, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, I was also a homeschool mom. Mm, That's a big mistake. I mean, big mistake. And I started realizing, you know, I think this is actually more damaging to our children for them to be with me all day. I am not functioning. I am struggling. What is going on? The, 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 the big, um, kind of epiphany for my husband and I finally came when, um, I was 40, obviously. And I had just come off of this, uh, fast. I don't know if any of you know what fasting is, but you abstain from eating something. Some, sometimes it's a very specific thing that you're abstaining from eating. Um, some people fast other things. Like if it's a, um, religious fast, maybe you're going to fast social media, meaning you're not going to get on for a certain amount of time because you are uh, kind of purging that similar to Lent. Um, people say, Nope, I'm abstaining for from this during Lent. So fast, I was going through this fast and it was about a month long. And at the time I was really struggling in my marriage and I was frustrated and man, I was just like, he is, man, I just don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know that I want to be married. He's doing this, that, and this, but we got six kids. And so I decided to go on this fast and it was on behalf of my marriage and God, I need you to change him essentially. That's why it was on the fast. And a few days into the fast, um, it became very obvious that this was not about my marriage and my husband changing. This was about, um, my own personal growth, my own personal journey and walk into health. I didn't know what it meant at the time. Um, and, and so I stayed with it and y'all, I fasted for a month and it was, one of the most amazing healing times of my life. I don't even know that I could explain the whole thing, but I was just very intentional in being still and really thinking and pondering and listening and journaling and all of that. And it was, it was just so healing. It was so good. And one day I I was coming, I was coming off the fast and I was just, feeling so good about life and about moving forward. I wasn't hating my husband. I was loving my life and and feeling all this health. And like I said, this month long process. And then the next day I woke up, nothing in particular happened. Um, I was doing just normal life. And all of a sudden I collapsed in the bathroom and probably cried for three hours straight. And my thoughts are, I can't do this life anymore. My family's going to be better off if I'm gone. I need to leave. And I'm now I'm thinking about it and planning leaving. My kids are home and uh, they needed to be taken care of. And I wasn't, I just was totally ignoring them. I have no idea what was going on out there. No clue. Um, Cause I'm breaking down in the bathroom and my husband gets home and I'm telling him I'm done. I can't stay. Y'all are better off without me. I'm telling him all this stuff. And he's just looking at me with this shock on his face because he knows this journey that I've just come off of, you know, and the day before how great everything was. And he, um, listened and he, you know, held me and I cried. And I mean, I was convinced that this is what I was going to do. And he just said, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you about something. And I think that it would be beneficial. Can you just be still and listen for a minute? And I said, yes. And then he proceeded to tell me I've been watching and and noticing some things. And I, I think that 
what you're going through and what you're walking through is not your fault, that there's something bigger going on. And, um, I think we need to talk to somebody. I I think that you, you need some, some help so that you don't continue struggling and feeling the way that you're feeling. And I was like, okay, well, like, what do you mean? And anyways, we talked a little bit more and he said, I I don't want you to be afraid. He said, I think that this could actually be a really positive thing and we can, we can look into something quickly and let's research a little bit because he's a researcher. And he said, I think you might be dealing with bipolar disorder. And okay, so all of us have, you know, heard that term before we watch movies, there are jokes out there. Oh my gosh, she's so bipolar because she's acting like a loony too. Okay, so this word had a lot of stereotype uh, connotations to it that meant I am a crazy person, you think I need to be locked up. That's what it that's what it means, right? That's what everybody thinks it means, if you don't know anything, right? And so I'm just looking at him and I'm like, Oh my gosh, why, why would you say that? But then at the same time, there was a huge amount of peace that came over me. Like I can't even explain it because something resonated. I wonder if that month long journey of fasting that I went through, that I started fasting for one reason and then realized that God had something very different for me and he was causing me to be still and he was causing me to listen and he was um, allowing me to journal and I think I had ears to hear what my husband was saying. There was something that he was saying that, believe it or not, was bringing some life to me and so I said, okay, I'll go talk to somebody and um, I'd already been seeing a counselor and uh, so we immediately went and talked to him and he agreed that I needed to talk with somebody because uh, I was only talking to him about the you know the negative things about my husband he he actually didn't know hardly any of the things I was actually dealing with and so when we told him he was shocked because it didn't sound like me at all that's the bipolar guys that's the how vastly different it was this big high and this big low so it was going to take a few weeks for me to get in to see this new doctor and so over the next few weeks we kind of did some research we took little quizzes that you might I mean like simple little quizzes and we're we're actually learning quite a bit not from a technical standpoint and I was like what if what if I am what if I do get diagnosed with bipolar disorder I mean oh my gosh what does that mean about me he goes you understand honey that this is like somebody that has diabetes you can't help it it's, it's just a diagnosis and a person who's diabetic needs insulin um, that they can't regulate their sugar properly. That's all it is. There, there's a, a chemical imbalance in your brain, babe, that's not allowing these connections to happen. You're not doing anything wrong. You can't help it. You actually need help. So that was helping me a lot to kind of not freak out too much. So went to see the psychiatrist, shared all this stuff with him. I can't even remember what all we did. If there was some kind of test, I don't remember everything, but he looked at me and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you deal with bipolar disorder too. There's like three different extremes, three, two, and one. I can't remember if one is worse than three or three is worse than one. I can't remember, but I'm in the middle. I'm two. And again, I was shocked and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to walk around with this title bipolar. But then at the same time, I was like, man, if this, 
if the medication helps and I don't deal with this stuff over here because my crashes, the the depression, those things were getting worse. So what I recognized in my life, and I think this happens for a lot of people, is you can go years in the manic state. Okay. Everything's great. And then go years kind of in this funk and this depression. And then the older you get, the worse it gets. And then that means maybe for a few months you feel depressed and a few months you feel high and then it gets worse. And then now it's alternating throughout the week and then it gets really bad. And in one day you can be high and low in the extremes. That's when you really start feeling super crazy. And that's when decisions start getting really bad and and you make this terrible decision. And then you look around and you go, how did I get here? Seriously in college y'all, I don't even remember sleeping in my dorm room. I, I don't remember it. I don't remember sleeping in my dorm room because I was out all the time. I was, I don't, high all not like on drugs high but just high living life doing crazy things meeting crazy people not sleeping in my own bed crashing wherever I was at and that is not normal you know and and then these extreme lows where you know I don't even want to get out of bed so um being able to hear that there's a reason why as you've gotten older this has gotten worse and it's become more noticeable and you don't live in reality anymore. Like you can't process one minute. Everything is amazing. The next second, the world's coming to an end. That is too hard to process. That's too hard. It's too hard to live like that. And, and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people with bipolar disorder end up committing suicide because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to make it stop. And you can't figure out why you find yourself where you find yourself. So once I got diagnosed, um, you know, I have kids. And like I said, my crashes, uh, my depression was getting worse and harder and lasted longer and was more severe to the point to where I wanted to leave my family. And I have an amazing family. There's no reason for me to leave my family. Um, I had an amazing life. What I was feeling, I recognized what I was feeling and thinking did not match reality. That was the key for me. I could see what my real life was, but everything in me was screaming that it was something else, that that is not what I was, what was happening. So I got on medication. Um, and I think within two weeks, maybe less, I could already tell the difference. There were no more crashes. I felt, uh, calmer. There was a lot more, I was a lot more level headed and it was, that part was great. But then I also recognized the emotions that were amazing and I, those were gone too. And I had never lived life before without those highs. And while I really wanted the crashes to be fixed, the lows to be fixed, I wasn't prepared for those highs to come down as much as they did. So everything was very level, blah, and boring. Oh my gosh, it was hard. I stuck with it because I have a family Do y'all hear that? I did not stay on my meds for me. I stayed on my meds for my family because I want to be healthy and whole for my family. And I believe that if I had gone any longer, that I would have made decisions that would have caused more damage than I could have repaired. And I love them. 
at, to this day, that is why I take my meds because <laughs> I love my family. And while it took away from a huge part of who I am and what I know, it took me several years to understand and embrace this life that was, um, boring. <laughs> and I was just like everybody else. I was not happy about that. I like being the showstopper, uh, life of the party, the person that can do everything, the person that can counsel you out of everything. I mean, that's who I, that's who I want to be. Right. That's what I live for. And I missed those feelings. I missed the belief that I could run in the Olympics at age 32. I missed the genuine belief that I could train hard enough to do that. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say to anybody that's listening. And if you deal with this and you're on the, at the very beginning journey of this, um, stick with it, stay with it. It's okay. You will eventually be comfortable with this steady it, it does mean that emotions feel a little more distant. I, I had a hard time grabbing sadness. I had a hard time grabbing joy. So, I mean, you know, we found out um, some very close friends of ours, um, somebody had died recently in their family and I had no tears, even though I was sad, I, I couldn't grab it. And then, you know, my husband and I are going to go on this vacation where normally I would have been lit up and I would have packed for two weeks and I spend all this money and do all this reach. I mean, it would have been awesome. I couldn't find joy and excitement about it. And, and that, that was, that's a struggle. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I missed that, but I can tell you that I am a person that is addicted to peace. Oh my gosh. Peace is so underrated. It is wow, probably the most wonderful feeling and experience and emotion and mental state, peace. And I'm addicted to it. I'm so happy I'm addicted to peace. I um, like being able to read my life correctly. I, I'm thankful that my kids, um, I'm not worried about this overreaction uh, high or low anymore, or potentially making a, a life altering decision that could cause damage for them. Um, the people that I love, and there are still some things that I'm learning, um, in this growth process for sure. It took me some years to do it. And I'll say one of the big things that I've learned is that because of the mental misfiring that I have, I don't have a large, um, mental capacity and space to carry and, um, to care about lots of things. How do I want to say that? So my family, God first at the top, um, I've been a birth doula for over 20 years, had my own uh, career. And, um, I don't know, maybe there was one other thing. Those are all those, those two things are big things. And I might have space and room for one other thing that's big like that, that takes up a lot of heart space and a lot of mental energy. Um, when anything else is added, especially like an emotional sadness, when, when my daughter was going through her divorce, it, that was very tough on me mentally and emotionally. And I did encounter some of my <laughs> bipolar tendencies. Those showed up a little bit more because this emotional thing is taking up more space than I'm used to. And so little things, normal things, life things are falling through the cracks. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just not making dinner at all. And it's like, 
not even a thought. I'm not even thinking about dinner. And now six, six thirty, seven rolls around and it's like everybody's grabbing a bowl of cereal because I didn't make dinner again, you know, not because I don't want to, not because I don't love them, but because it's um it's just falling through the cracks. I don't know how they say it. So that's a huge um neon sign for me now. When little things are falling through the cracks, when I forget things that normally you just don't forget these things, like really odd things to forget. Um, you know, you drive home the same way for 15 years and then you miss your turn onto your street. Like you just totally miss it. Not because you're distracted, but just you miss it. And then you realize, wait, why didn't I turn? You know, it, again, I'm not saying if you forget things, you're bipolar. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I've recognized that if I'm adding something to my plate, to my life that is big, then something else has to go away. I can't keep adding and adding and adding. It doesn't work that way. My mind won't let me do that. That's actually a really good thing, y'all. Um, it keeps me humble. It reminds me that I am not perfect. Um, and that it's okay that I can't do everything that I think I should be able to do. Um, and so while it can be frustrating sometimes, and I wish I could do more at the same time, I'm thankful for the relief that I don't have to do more, um, that it, that it's okay that I'm not. And I am also, uh, somebody who is more than happy to have um, issues in my life and I'm happy to share them. And like I said before, I have shared with the people in my life that I'm close to. I have shared with other people before that I think might need to hear it, um, because they are struggling and it has benefited them for me to share my life experience. And if I was honest, my prayer is that anyone that is listening right now and things that I'm saying are resonating and you doubt if you can move forward with your mental illness. Can I just tell you, I have a family that I love a large family. I've been married for 30 years. I started my own business. I have helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women in their journey of childbirth. I've written a book, I'm a podcast host, and I don't say all those things to toot my horn. I say all those things to say, you can live a really great life, a life you can be proud of, accomplish many great things, even if you have a mental illness. So be encouraged, talk to somebody, talk to people, let people in your life, um, go see a psychiatrist to have this conversation. Therapy is good. Getting help is normal. And yeah, just like I want to normalize childbirth, normalize this whole experience. I want to normalize this too. And I want to let my life, um, be an example and a light. And I, and I hope that this has greatly impacted, uh, someone who's listening today. Share this episode with anyone that you think might benefit from it. And I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you for listening to My Doula Micah. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at My Doula Micah. We can also get connected at MyDoulaMicah.com. If you're interested in checking out my book, the link to The Humor in Birth, Stories and Insights from a Doula can be found on all of these social platforms. Be sure to share and subscribe. I'll be here next week, so please be sure to join me again. And this podcast was produced by Rogue Media Network.